Good morning, Grace. How are we today? Good. Good. You guys should start coming to the first and second service, and you get worshiped twice. Wasn't that awesome? Very good. I think one of the things that amazes me is the, uh, I don't even know if you guys know this, but there's a lot more people on the stage that aren't paid than are paid. These are just, you know, people that you go to church with that are so gifted uh, to lead us in worship. And if God has given you uh, some of those gifts to play instruments or to sing, uh, you should talk to John because it's great to have all of you up here sharing your gifts with us. So welcome. Glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, A few Christmas reminders. We have a Christmas Eve service. It starts at 7 o'clock. Family friendly. Everybody should come. We're just going to sing. Not just going to. We're going to sing Christmas carols together and just worship. It's uh, always a great event. It's been a a tradition for quite a while, so we would love for you to come to that. Uh, Meg and I have decided to open our backyard for an outdoor bonfire, Christmas carol, s'mores, Wow, you guys are quiet today. Whole nine yards. Uh, so that's going to happen on the 19th, which is next Sunday at 6.30. And you are all welcome. Bring your family. Uh, bring your kids. I guess that would be the same thing as bringing your family. But come. And we're just going to have some fun. Hang out outside. Uh, we're going to have a couple different bonfires so that you can get uh, a little bit of warmth. Uh, I suppose the only way that won't happen is if, if it's raining or like zero outside, we may decide to. But if the weather lets us do it, we're just going to do that. Love for you to be a part. Um, little bit more about Advent. I don't know if you guys know this, but as we go through the Advent season, we also open the chapel, which is right on the other side of this wall, uh, from 7 to 8. And the idea there is we do it virtually, so if you just want to tune in uh, on Facebook Live, you can do that. Uh, But it's just for a chance to be together, to have some quiet time together. Uh, So some people come to the chapel physically come to the chapel for the whole hour. Some people just come for 15 minutes. Um, At the end, in the last 10 minutes, we do a little bit of a devotional, and then we always take communion together. So even if you just want to come for the last 15, 20 minutes and sit quietly and read and then take uh, communion with us, we would love to have you be a part of that. But uh, you can do that virtually or you can do that uh, physically by coming. If you do come to the, on uh, Sunday or on weekday mornings, uh, you can actually come right in through the side entrance over here. You don't even come through the building and enter right into the chapel. So we've made it really convenient for everybody. All right. Before I get into the message uh, this morning, uh, I want to have sort of a, a family chat, if you will. Uh, I want you to just uh, hear me as your friend, as your pastor, as your shepherd. Um, here's the deal. There is an enemy who wants to destroy this church. There is an enemy that wants to destroy your family, right? There is an enemy that wants to bring division to everything we do. We know that his desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. And his primary tactic is to divide and devour. So if you wonder why it's hard to always have peace in your home, why it's hard to always connect with your uh, significant other, your spouse, it's because there is an enemy at work. If you wonder why there is continual problems uh, within how we relate to one another within our small group or within our church, it's because there is an enemy as at work, right? And the scriptures tell us that we are to not be unaware of his schemes so that we can battle well, Right? So the Apostle Paul also teaches us that Jesus came to, divide, to, to, to take down the dividing wall, that anything that divides us, get this church, Jesus is bigger than anything that divides us, right? Anything that causes us. And so 
what I want to talk about, here's the deal, and this has been so hard for me this week. I don't know that I've struggled over how to articulate anything as much as I have this week. But no matter what I talk about on Sunday morning, because of the way things are in our social structure right now, every topic has been politicized. So if we talk about vaccines, there's a political nature to it. If we talk about masks, there's a political nature to it. If we talk about same-sex attraction or gender confusion, there's a political agenda that's attached to it. If I talk about social justice or if I talk about racism, suddenly uh, there's a political stance to it. And what's happening is, as you come to church quite often, you are listening to me through a political lens, and you are placing this church, or me in particular, this isn't about me, it's about us as a church, but you are placing us in on one side of the aisle or the other, when in fact we need to talk about issues that are facing our country, issues that are in front of us, but we need to talk about them as to what the Bible says. We need to be able to talk about them in a way that we can say, what is God's heart in this particular matter? Right. And not always go to, oh, well, that's. And so what I feel like is, is, is you're listening and saying, oh, the church is over here. And then I talk about something different. And you go, oh, oh, now the church is, is over here. And here's the amazing thing to me is people leave grace every year. They come and they talk to me. I'm leaving because you guys are too. And guess what? They describe this side of the aisle or they describe this side of the aisle. You guys are too liberal. You guys are too conservative. You're too, you're supporting this, this program or this, this platform more than you're supporting that platform. And what I want you to realize is this is not a game of politics. And when you walk in this room, don't walk in here as a Republican and don't walk in here as a Democrat. It just doesn't work. And this isn't me talking. If you're getting riled up and hearing me say this, this is what Paul was talking about when he said, there is no Jew no Gentile, no slave, nor free, right? What was he talking about? Nobody stopped being male or female. What he was saying is every identity marker that you have is secondary to Jesus Christ, right? So if I talk about racial injustice, don't assume I'm standing on a particular side of the aisle. I'm talking about justice because the scriptures tell us God loves justice, he says, do justice. Let justice roll like a river. If I talk about, about racism, it doesn't mean I'm on one side out. And today, as I talk about abortion, it doesn't mean we're standing on one side out. I don't know if you know this, but there is an important case in front of our country right now, right? And they are deciding how are we to view the sanctity of life? How are we to view this issue of abortion? And my encouragement to you is pray. Pray for our leaders. Pray for those, those people who are sitting in a place where they are going to decide what is the rule of this country as it deals with the sanctity of life. And here's what the Bible teaches us. Life begins at conception. How do we know the Bible teaches it? The Christmas story makes it clear. Like... Jesus was in a person's womb. He was in Mary's womb, right? He was a baby and Jesus was and is, he always was. There wasn't a time when Jesus didn't exist, right? So even in the womb, Jesus existed. We, hear, we see the story of, of Mary coming and, and meeting with Elizabeth. And what does the baby do in Elizabeth's womb? It leaps for joy, right? And it's helping to teach us that God loves human life. God calls us to care for the born 
and the unborn. And sometimes it will feel like we're standing on this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle, but we are going to teach what the Bible teaches. God cares about life. God weaves people together. God cares about every aspect of the person, right? And so pray, pray for your leaders. And here's the deal. I understand it is a complicated issue. I understand that the church has to do a way better job of coming alongside people who are in a crisis pregnancy and helping them understand there are alternatives. There are better ways to handle this crisis that you're in. We have not done a good job as a church right? Helping people to understand that. I also understand that if this is part of your story, it can bring great shame. And I am not saying this to shame anybody. God's grace is sufficient. And God wants to meet you wherever you are. So I am going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray because this is a big deal, right? And what I'm asking you to do is don't hear what we teach. Don't hear what we do from any political lenses. Just hear it as we want to teach the word of God as it is written, right? And we want to teach the heart of God. And what we know is God loves people. We are called to love God and love people, little people or big people, all people. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you uh, that we get a chance as the body of Christ to come together across different ideas and and Lord that you have torn down the dividing wall and that we can stand in unity even if we don't always see things exactly the same way Lord I pray for this church I pray that we would be one just as you and the father are one and as we teach on missions and mobilization we just realize that that our, our our entire witness is whether or not we can do this this unity thing whether or not we can be one just as you and the Father are one. And then the world will see just how amazing you are. Lord, we pray for this case in the Supreme Court. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that that we as a country would have a greater value on life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have something you want to say to me, it's dkempton at gracewire.com. <laughs> have at it. All right, we are in the middle of this series. It happens at the, every uh, December we go through this, Missions and Mobilization. And the idea is to do twofold. One is to just get you exposed to our many uh, fabulous ministry partners here in Detroit and across the United States and really around the world. So we had a couple of partners here with us last week. We had a different partner that's going to be here next week and actually deliver the word. But it's just a great opportunity for you to meet our uh, faculty, if you will, that are doing missions everywhere and, and doing things. But part of this is we also do an offering, uh, a giving opportunity, and the goal is to raise $250,000 in order to support all of our ministry partners. So uh, next week, the 19th, we begin the giving portion of the campaign. So you can either give a one-time gift, or if you follow what Meg and I do, we do a pledge for 2022 and then give over the course of the year. We know what God is calling us to give and we just put, write it on a piece of paper. This is the number. And then we'll add what we get and what is pledged and then we'll know how much we can uh, give out, how much that we can support our partners by. So I encourage you to be praying this week about what you give. It usually takes a few weeks because everybody's not always here on the 19th, but we'll begin the giving part of what we're doing next week. And as we have put this uh, campaign in place, the, the prayer has been 
consistently that it wouldn't just be about money, that it would be an opportunity for you to understand that you are as called to missions as I am. You are as called to missions as Jay Hill is, who's out and doing work in the city of Detroit. You are as called to missions. We are called together. And that you would be inspired to go and be missional in everything that you do. So it's not just about writing the check. That's an important part of what we're doing. It's really hoping that you will catch the heart of God, that we are all commissioned to be on mission with God. So one of the things we've been doing is showing you some videos. So we uh, have a great video of the work that we've been doing in Belize. So let's watch that video. Cool stuff. Hey, uh, I love the way the video ends. We need you. And the fact is we do. We, we need you both to contribute to the campaign so that we can meet the goal. But we need you to get involved. We need you to be a part of the good work that God is doing here in Detroit. Grab your Bibles. Turn to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 20. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, um, you'll remember that I talked about the great commission that we have recorded in Matthew, that moment in time when Jesus, just before the ascension, Jesus stands before his disciples and he says to them, go make disciples of all nations, right? That was the, 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 the command, the great commissioning. And the primary point of that sermon was, is if you have said yes to Jesus, you are, as com- you are commissioned to make disciples. You are as, as commissioned as I am to make disciples. Every follower of Jesus is called to be on mission with Jesus in making disciples and bringing people into a life-changing understanding of who Jesus is and all that he has to offer them in their lives. This doesn't matter uh, how old you are. It doesn't matter. Uh, any, there's, there's no exception. Anyone who said to, yes to Jesus is commissioned, right? And then the other thing that came out in that sermon is the good news is you have everything you you need to be successful in that mission, right? Because what did Jesus say? He said, all authority has been given to me and I will be with you even to the end of the age. So all authority has been given to Jesus. Jesus is with you, which is why we are co-missioned, not just on mission, but we are co-missioned. We are in mission with Jesus. And if that's how you operate, you have everything you need to be successful. 
So Matthew's view of the commissioning takes place. It's the last conversation between Jesus and his disciples before he ascends into heaven, right? Well, the passage we're going to read today is John's version of being commissioned. The difference is John's version takes place the very first conversation in a room on the evening of the very first Easter. And so one would say, well, aren't these two commissionings contradictory? And the answer is no. They're two different writers, two different people that had a firsthand experience experience with Jesus. And one is saying, this was the moment that I felt like God sent us out. And John is saying, this is the moment that I really felt God had done something. It's just like if two of you listen to the service, you may hear something that moves you and you may hear something that moves you. And if you're writing about it, you would write about this and you would write about that. It doesn't mean that they're in conflict with one another. It's just a different part of the same story. But this is John's version of the commissioning. Here's what I want you to hear before we get this. I just want you to, to engage your imagination. And this is hard for us to do, especially if you're really familiar with the Gospels and you're familiar with the story of Jesus. But fear has gripped the disciples. They have just watched the most brutal execution in human history of their closest friend. And they are huddled in a room... And I guarantee you, they are asking themselves, are we next? Right? They are afraid for their lives. And they are huddled together in this room, waiting to find out, not knowing what's going to happen, right? And I just want us to sink into that. Again, one of the things I say all the time is familiarity breeds complacency. Like we can get to the place where the story is so familiar that we no longer engage in just how emotional, how difficult this moment must have been. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to read chapter 20, verses 19 through 22, John's version of being commissioned. Verse 19 says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, this is the first evening of the first Easter, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad and that they saw the, the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when they, he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the accounts of the gospels and how we get to see these firsthand accounts of your movement in the lives of your people. I pray today, my prayer is that you would breathe on us, that you would breathe your Holy Spirit through this room, through this, this broadcast, people that are sitting in their living rooms and their kitchens, that they would feel your breath on them and that they would have a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. And maybe there's people in this room or listening that, that, that haven't even said yes to Jesus. I pray that today they would say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I, I need you in my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior and that you would breathe on them and give them your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the promise of the Spirit. I thank you that you've promised to make us a new creation. I pray that we would leave this room, we would leave this broadcast different than we came because we've sat in the presence of the living God because you have breathed on us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
So the first thing that jumps out when you read this passage, or at least when I read this passage, was that in just a few short verses, twice, Jesus says these words, peace be with you. And I can guarantee you the last thing the disciples were feeling was peace. I thought about this. I thought about like if their shrink came into the room or their, their counselor came into the room, right? Maybe I'm the only one that's ever seen a counselor. But one of the things my counselor has asked me to do is to write all of my emotions on a piece of paper. And then we could talk about those emotions. It's really annoying, by the way. But anyway, that's what we do. We write our emotions. And I guarantee you, had they been asked to do that, peace would not have made the list of emotions that they were feeling. But nevertheless, Jesus shows up on the scene. And maybe, maybe you can relate to that a little bit. I mean, it's been a difficult season for us to take hold of peace, right? It's been two years of a, of a pandemic. It's been uh, racial division. It's, uh, there's just been, uh, you know, we've had a, a school shooting right in our, in our backyard, uh, political division. You know, we've experienced some tragic deaths among our body that have just been heart-wrenching. Right, we have people who, Meg and I have been talking about it. It seems like we have more people who are struggling with, with really difficult diagnoses and, and sicknesses than, than I ever remember, right? We have family feuds, we have marriages that are struggling. Peace is often very hard to take hold of, to grasp. Can we just agree to that? Right? And the fact is, I think we would all take a little bit more peace, Right? But what we need to understand is this, this peace that Jesus is talking about, it's, it has nothing to do with circumstances, right? He is not promising to take away the pandemic or to make everything perfect. As a matter of fact, you can still have conflict in your lives and be completely at peace. This peace, it's uh, Irene in the Greek, it's, it's uh, shalom in the Hebrew, but it's this idea of being uh, settled with God and settled with yourself. It's an inner peace that goes beyond circumstances, the scriptures ask us to actually tell us that this peace that we're talking about, this, this shalom kind of peace, it guards your heart and it guards your mind. And Jesus stands before the disciples, and I believe he's standing in this room. He's standing in the, in the living rooms and kitchens of the people listening to this. And he is saying to you, and he's saying to me, in a time of desperate desire, peace be with you. And here's the deal. The scriptures make it abundantly clear. This peace is only available in the person of Jesus. Right? Let me say that again. The peace that we're talking about, the shalom peace, this this inner settledness that goes beyond circumstances, it is only available in the person of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 14 says, Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, for he himself is our peace, right? But there's also this point in the the scriptures where Jesus says to his disciples, again, in the gospel of John, he says, peace I leave you with, peace I give you. And it's not as the world gives. In other words, you're not going to get it from anything out there. The only way to get it is through me. Peace I give you, peace I live with you, leave you with, not as the world gives. I give it to you. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. I know that many of the people listening to this are, have, have unsettled spirits. There is a almost palatable sense of fear in our society right now, right? There's, there's this, this sense that, that things are falling apart. 
Mental health issues are at an all-time high. Anxiety is at an all-time high. And amidst all of this, Jesus is standing in our midst saying, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I want to give you a peace that passes all understanding. And here's what I want you to hear this morning, and this is so important. If you are not at peace, the emotion that I don't want you to walk away with is the emotion of shame. Like, like there's something wrong with you if you're unsettled. Right? One of the things that I'm very aware of is I can preach a message and people can leave feeling like they're a bad Christian because they couldn't take hold of the thing that Pastor Doug was talking about. And, and I never want that to be the case. What I want you to hear is if you are struggling, allow what you're struggling with not to be a, a something that makes you feel like you're a bad person or to feel shame, but allow it to be an invitation. The movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. And sometimes when we are unsettled, when we are anxious, it is an indication that we need more of Jesus. It's an invitation to lean in to the only one that can give you true peace. You see what I'm saying? There's a different way for us to to respond because quite often that same enemy that wants to divide you wants to put you in a place of shame. I can't do this. I'm a bad person. And you bring shame on yourself and then you don't move into the invitation. So if you are feeling unsettled, if you are feeling anxious, embrace the fact that God has wired you in such a way that you can be aware of those emotions and turn your focus to the only one who can give you true Peace, turn to Jesus, lean in to Jesus. He is our peace. So what I want to do before I get into the rest of this passage, there's a lot for us to take out of these few verses, is I just want to pray for us. So I just want you to close your eyes, and I know what I'm about to do is going to be a little uh, stretchy for some of you, uh, but I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to see Jesus standing in front of you. Just, just picture him standing in front of you. Picture him standing with both of his arms out wide. If you're in your living room, if you're in your kitchen, here in this room, just close your eyes and see Jesus. <clears throat> and hear these words. Peace be with you. I want to give you my peace. Receive the peace that I have for you. Realize that I have all authority, that I will never leave you or forsake you, that I will be with you to the very end of all times. Receive the peace that I have for you. Lord, I pray that in this moment that we would embrace the gift that you offer, the peace that you promise to give, the peace that's not like the world gives, the peace that will take away the fear that so many of us walk with. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at the rest of the passage, right? Jesus appears before the disciples and he proclaims that he is their peace and that he's bringing them peace. And then look at what he says. It says, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Listen to these words. As the father has sent me, Jesus, even so I, Jesus, am sending you. Our mission here at Grace is we are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. Every time I talk about that, I talk about loving like Jesus, and I talk about serving like Jesus, and I talk about thinking like Jesus. But I wonder if every time I talk about it, I ought to add to that list, sent like Jesus. 
Jesus was sent by the Father in, in a particular way, and now he is sending us in the same way. And so the question I want to answer in the last few minutes is, how was Jesus sent? Right? He's saying in the same way. So what, is the, what, is, what does that mean? How was Jesus sent? And, and if we know how Jesus was sent, the next question obviously is, so then how are we sent? And the first answer to the question is he was sent empowered by the Holy Spirit. Luke 4 tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself says, I can't do anything without the Spirit of God telling me what the Father wants me to do. I can't say anything. I can't do anything unless it is initiated by and infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at what happens in verse 22. When he had said all this, when he had said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, Look what it says in verse 22. When he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to tell you something that might come as a shock to you. You may have been taught differently, but there is a misconception in the New Testament, interpreting the New Testament scriptures, that the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene at Pentecost. How many of you were taught that? You don't have to raise your hand, but many of you were, were taught that, that that was the moment the Holy Spirit finally came in power and something happened. And here's the deal. Pentecost was a powerful movement of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did show up and move in a powerful way. And and men actually did have the ability to speak in languages that they didn't know. So that all these foreigners who didn't speak the, the common languages could hear the gospel in their own language. It was an amazing movement of the Holy Spirit. But this is the moment that the New Testament covenant of sending the Spirit actually begins to happen. Jesus breathed on them. I have a hard time believing that Jesus would breathe on them, say, receive the Holy Spirit, but just so you know, you're going to have to wait about 70 days. (laughs) Pretty unlikely that that would be his modus of operation. Plus, they needed the Holy Spirit in order to operate in the way that they were called to over the next few days, you know, a couple months before Jesus' ascension. The Holy Spirit is given to them. He breathes on it. And this moment takes us all the way back to Genesis 2. In the creation story, God forms man. And what does it say? He breathes life into them. And now we are seeing a new covenant and Jesus breathes. This is so cool. He breathes life into us. Right through the Holy Spirit. What does the scripture tell us? When you come to know Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, you become a new creation. We go all the way back to Genesis 2. You become a new person, a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That means you don't have to behave the same way. You don't have to respond the same way. That you are a new creation in Christ. All the way back to Genesis. Something profound is happening in that room. Jesus breathes on them. And when you say yes to Jesus, he breathes on you and he gives you his Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we are sent in the same way. You, I've said this so many times in this series, you have everything you need to be successful in advancing the kingdom of God. You have everything you need to lead your friends to Jesus. You have everything you need to lead your family to Jesus. You have everything you need to lead your classmates to Jesus. Because he has sent you and he has all authority and he said he'd be with you. And he has breathed his Holy Spirit into you. 
You have everything you need to advance the kingdom of God. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and he sends us in the same way. Second thing, we are sent as God's ambassador. Jesus said he came to reveal the Father. He said, if you know me, you'd know the Father who sent me. He was a representation and ambassador of the Heavenly Father. Our primary mission in our lives, our, the reason we exist, is to represent and make God known to others. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, you are ambassadors for Christ. Making, God is making his appeal through you. This is mind-boggling. The God of the universe, the God who spoke all of that you know of, all creation into existence with just a word, has said, I am going to make myself known through you. Amen. How you live your lives is how people are going to know that God is who God said he was, that God loves them. You want to know how to lead your kids to Jesus? Be more like Jesus. Right? Like, like represent the Father. Be an ambassador for God at home. Be an ambassador of God in school. Be an ambassador for God in your car, for gosh sakes. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, if you have a, like, Jesus fish on your car and you drive like an idiot and wave bad signals at the, like, take this thing off or, or something. Right? But you're an ambassador when you're driving. You're in a bad, when you guys leave here and you all go stand in line at the pancake house, which about 90% of you do, I think, based on the line I always see. But anyway, when you go to the pancake house, guess what? You are an ambassador for Jesus to whoever is taking your order. Yes. You, need, you don't get to stop. You don't get to say, well, I'm at church. I'm an ambassador now, but not when I'm at work. You don't know my boss. I can't be an ambassador to my boss. Yeah, you can. Right? You are an ambassador for Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You are the one that are going to lead your family to Jesus most effectively. You are the one that's going to lead your classmates to Jesus. You're the one that's going to lead your friends to Jesus. All right. Powered by the Holy Spirit, sent as God's ambassadors, and as a servant to all. There's this profound teaching moment in Matthew 20 where the disciples have, two of them have, just, have asked Jesus through their mother, which is kind of a weird story if you ask me. But anyway, they had their mother talk to Jesus and asked Jesus if, if they could be in the main two positions of power when Jesus came into their kingdom. And this created an argument amongst all the disciples of who was going to be the most powerful. And so Jesus decides that he needs to have another conversation with them about this. And so this is the result of that. So Jesus says in verse 25, Matthew 20, Jesus called them and he said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their, their great ones, the, the great people in power, exercise authority over them. Here's what he's saying. This is the way of the world. The way of the world is about power and authority, right? This is the way of the world. But then he says in verse 26, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even the son of man, Jesus himself, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Here's what I would say to you. We would be much better ambassadors for God, ambassadors for Jesus, if we understood this servant mentality. 
if we understood the, uh, the idea. But this is not the way of the world. The problem is we grasp for power. We grasp for influence. We want to be in a position where we're seen as, as the man or the woman. We want that. And so we, we grasp for that. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not the way it works in my kingdom. As I was sent to be a servant, you are sent to be a servant. And here's the reason it's so hard. Because being a servant puts us in an incredibly vulnerable position. It's the place where you can get hurt. If you want to serve somebody, you are actually exposing yourself to being hurt or even abused. But that's the Jesus way. He was nailed to a cross. He was given as a ransom for many. The fact is, we think of of being a servant as being weak, but it takes incredible courage to be a servant. And we see that courage played out in Jesus. And as Jesus was sent to be a servant, so you and I are sent to be servants as well. Fourth thing, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an ambassador, to be a servant, and into a world of hostility to suffer. I want to just talk to the students in the room, the students who are online watching right now. And I used to say this to my kids all the time. If you are going to walk faithfully with Jesus in your school, there is a good chance you are not going to fit in. There is a good chance that you will not have tons of friends. You probably are not going to be brought into the popular circle. A lot of that's because you decide not to make some of the same choices that are being made, right? Not to party like they party, not to gossip like they gossip, not to whatever that list happens to be, right? But, but if you're truly going to follow Jesus, you're probably not going to fit in in the same way. But that's not the goal. The goal isn't to be popular. The goal is to walk faithfully with Jesus, I don't want you to hear that you're not going to have any friends. I think the friends that you do have are going to be way better friends. But chances are you're not going to fit in. People, can I tell you, it's the same for us. Like if you're really going to walk with Jesus, you're probably not going to fit in at work in the same way. You, you can't strive for popularity and strive to walk with Jesus faithfully. They will eventually collide. What's true for the youth is true for us. But we spend a lot of time and we spend a lot of resources trying to be seen, trying to be admired, trying to be part of the club, trying to be accepted. And what I want you to hear this morning is to be careful because that is a never-ending treadmill. It's never enough and it will exhaust you and it will leave you wanting. Jesus warned us. John 15, he said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. (laughs) Right? This isn't in my notes, but it kind of hit me when I was teaching this in the first service. Like, I'm doing a really bad job of selling this. Like, why would anybody walk with Jesus? Because he's the only place for peace. Right? When, amen. When... When Peter has this moment and Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? What did Peter say? Where else would I go? You alone 
have the gift of eternal life. You are the only person who can bring me peace. And here's the deal. This that I'm describing, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's sacrificial. It is the greatest adventure you can ever go on. It is the only path that will lead you to true peace. This is what you are made to do, to represent and be an ambassador for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And until you are living into your purpose, God has made you to do this. You will not be satisfied. And the scriptures are clear. Whatever you sacrifice, he's going to give you back tenfold, a hundredfold. It, it, it means you have to have an eternal perspective. But this is the path. This is the path to peace. This is the path to being who God created you to do. You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do a good work, which he prepared in advance for you to do. And until you are doing it, you will never have the peace that God is promising. Jesus was sent, empowered by the Holy Spirit, as God's ambassador, a servant to all, and into a world that is hostile and a place that we will suffer. And as we, Jesus was sent, we are sent. Pray with me. Lord, I, I pray that we would take hold of this. I pray that we would be bold in our faith, that we would be ambassadors for Christ, that we would share Christ in places where we know he needs to be seen. He needs, I pray that we would live our lives as servants. Pray that we would be great ambassadors. And I pray that, that we would take that sign on going out of this parking lot serious where it says you are entering your mission field seriously. And that we would know whether we're heading off to the dinner table or wherever we're going that we're representing the living God. Lord, I pray that the invitation would be clear to, to experience more life than we maybe ever even knew existed, even in the difficulties. I even think of my conversation between the services, someone who's gone through such a hard time, but that hard time has brought them to a place where they've experienced Jesus in new ways, in exciting ways, in ways they never even fathomed. Help us to embrace the adventure. Help us to be a church on mission. Or there shouldn't be a, a, an empty seat in this church, not because we need more people, but because the world needs to hear the message of Jesus. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The group that prayed for you this morning, this is what they heard. There are heart issues in the room uh, they felt like some of that was physical and some of that was emotional. So if you're dealing with any kind of physical heart problems, we would love to pray over you. Uh, someone needs to know the depths of God's love for them. That would be me and everybody else in the room, but we all do. But if you're struggling with God's love, we would love to pray for you. Uh, and then there was just a sense that there is a woman who is a part of the service this morning who has a prayer request but is hesitant to bring it to us and we would love for you to take a bold step and bring it down. So there's people down here that would love to meet with you and pray. If you are online, uh, there should be a number that pops up on your screen. You can call either of those two numbers and they will put you in a private prayer appointment as well. God bless you. Come back next week as we finish up the missions and mobilization. Peace be with you.